boomers! Welcome once again to another episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We are now well into 1996. His name is Dave Boomer. And his name is Chris McFeely, and we've got here, on the cover, Sonic blasting out of the good old Omni viewer. Isn't it nice when the cover is about what's inside? Isn't it? What a relief it is. You wouldn't think it would be so rare, but... No. No <laughs> I know, but it is. What issue is this? And when did it come out? This is issue number 70. Cover dated the 2nd of February, but released on January 20th. I suppose we're not that well into 1996, but it feels like we are now. It feels like we are, We've been yeah. talking about it long enough. Dragging our way through it, yeah. 1996, here it is, you know? It, it feels like a big change, because... 1996, it has a personality in my memory. I know what 1996 is, and it's unusual to be there. I'm used to 95. I'm used to 94. Yeah, you were. That's what I was going to say. You were used to 95. You were used to 94. You were used to 1993, which was a real year that we did this comic in for a while there. Which is, Which now sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? It sounds so long ago. Three years ago nearly now. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Ages ago. Well, anyway, we've got a bright pink cover this time. Unusual for Sonic the Comic, because it's trying yeah. to be all boysy, I guess. But yeah, no, Sonic is uh, hopping out of the... That's all it is. It's the Omni Viewer against this blank pink background with Sonic hopping out of it. And there's a kind of a, a sort of a, a lava-looking wibbliness mm. uh, in the screen that Sonic's jumping out of. And it says, featuring Robotnik. Yes, up in the top corner. I guess they're just going to do these... Put whatever in them. Funny. Yeah, just and like it's yeah. funny, just in that Robotnik's barely in the comic. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's a the on the little um, tag thing, the little Sega comic logo thing that they have in the corner. It now has featuring Robotnik with Robotnik's face there, as if people are going to look at it and go, "Oh, brilliant!" Rob- oh, Rob- Doctor oh, Robotnik. I'll definitely get this issue there. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at they're looking at Sonic, a big picture of Sonic. They're going, "I'm not. Who's that? I'm not sure who no, that. No, no, oh, no. this has got Robotnik in it. Oh, get this. Not even Doctor Robotnik. He's off that game. What's that game? I can't remember, but it's got Robotnik. In it, anyway. That one with the mean beans. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, no doctor, <laughs> just robotic. Yeah, you're right. And it says, "Do the time warp in Return of Chaotix." Plus Knuckles, Sonic's World, and a new Decap Attack story, mm-hmm. and a FIFA '96 review, and a Batman mm. Q Zone, and a Ball Hog pinup. The, oh wow! Uh, oh what a one, two, three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Across the bottom of the comic. One, two, three. Punch of do not care. <laughs> <laughs> So let's throw it open to the yep. If I had fingernails, Megadroid says, they'd be bitten to the quick by now, as this issue is positively charged with dynamic drama. Ooh. And we did leave off at some pretty dramatic points last issue. Didn't we? I mean, you had yeah. the big reveal of Kintabor taking his hood off. What else? Knuckles facing down reanimated oh, dinosaur yeah, ghost right. skeletons. Yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Brutus... Stealing Grimer's knowledge right out his brain to build his own army. Yeah. That's kind of about it, really, isn't it? You know? That's kind of about it. <laughs> In addition to the contents of the comic, though, Megadroid also mentions that, uh, as noted last issue, the Sonic and Knuckles camera is yep. now the prize yes. in the Speedline section. Mm. And uh, next issue, next issue, this will sound familiar, mm-hmm. there's going to be a free Valentine's card again. Oh, there you go. We had a few last year um, uh, letters, didn't we? Well, and, and since, mm-hmm. from people who... Remember the Sonic Valentine's card, gave the Sonic Valentine's card. And now I'm starting to wonder if they were necessarily right about which year's Valentine's card it was. Because, you know, I wouldn't remember which was which. Well, no, I mean, I I remember uh, that one because it was big. 
and it had uh-huh. the same design on it as as the cover. Uh-huh. And that was the day of the Death Egg issue, you know, a standalone mm-hmm. that was just very memorable. But I don't remember what the Valentine's card next issue is. No, no. I could like no, I could have neither. told you what the Valentine's card was last last year, but this year I don't know. So we'll wait and see. Prepared to be underwhelmed. I mean, you know, even on yeah. even grading on a curve. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, put it this way, I'm not preparing to be overwhelmed. <laughs> Certainly not. But it's interesting that both of these Valentine's cards happen to have dropped at a time and apparently apparently in mid February they always do an absolute banger of a Sonic story. Well, I mean Death Egg Day of the Death Egg was was part of the ramp up the big yeah. story, but it hadn't quite started yet. No, but it's a banger on in its own. It's it's the Death Egg launching, it was a great one. Well, we dissembled that story back at the time and my views on it yes. remain true. <laughs> Go back and listen to that one, folks. But for today, we now have uh, the creepy compo results. STC has conjured up the results to issue 64's happening Halloween issue. You might remember that this is when we were going to win a, what was it, a castle or a can? Uh, creepy tars and creepy cans, yes. The, uh, That's right. the Joshua Morris box of tat. All you had to do was name the vegetable commonly associated with Halloween. That, for some reason, that's italicized. I don't know why, yeah, commonly associated with, yeah. <laughs> Scary leak, I believe, was your answer. (laughs) (laughs) The answer was pumpkin, and the following entrance names were plucked from Joshua Morris's attic. Um, It's nice that you've reminded me who on earth Joshua Morris is. Is that just the company that made it? Yeah, that was the company that made it. So, yes, and then there's a big long list of uh, Creepy Towers winners and Creepy Can winners. Well done to all of I did scan all the names, but I didn't recognise anybody, nobody that I knew, or nobody that I think listens to the show there, sadly. No, and none that I found particularly funny either. No, regrettably. <laughs> Although I do like that there's a place called Toll Puddle. I didn't know that. <laughs> the Sega Charts. Yeah, whatever. The Sega Charts. Never terrifically interesting, but we've got FIFA at the top, of course. It's FIFA 96. FIFA 96 is in, and already... Did they sell that for Christmas? Were people already buying that? That must be it, right? Because we've, yeah. we've kind of determined that these charts are not up to the oh, yeah. that time of press stuff. Remember how long it took Sonic and Knuckles to appear on them? So this must be... FIFA 96 going on sale in the run-up to Christmas, and now we're seeing the charts yeah. reflecting that. Yeah, because it, because that's that must be what they do. They don't just release it, oh, it's 1996 now, we'll release FIFA 96, and it jumps to the top of the charts on January yeah. the 1st. Though it is surprising that the comic has waited until now to review it, as we will be seeing in the review zone later on. We will, uh, if we squint. Uh, Micro Machines 96... And then way down at the bottom, scrunched in in numbers 9 and 10, you've got Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, both re-entries. So they've slipped out and back in again. Always nice to see him maintaining his hold. Yeah, it's interesting how Sonic 2 has been so constant over the whole comic. Like, it's always there in the charts, coming in and out. Sonic 2 is the best one, you know? Yeah. The best individual cartridge. Oh, God, yeah. I think you're right there. Obviously, my heart will always be with Sonic 3, whether or not it has Sonic and Knuckles attached to it. But, yes, without it, it drops quite significantly in value, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep, you're right there. And also, also, Sonic 2 is like the normies Sonic game as well, isn't it? That's the one that... Uh... That's the I one guess. that normal people played. Most people didn't get as far as Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Most people... I mean, surely more people played Sonic 1. It came with the Mega Drive. Yes, I suppose you'd think that would be the case. I don't know why I think it, but Sonic 2 is the one I always associate as being the normal the normal person's Sonic game, I guess. It's funny. It, it, I mean, I don't remember if I uh, ever told this story on the, on <laughs> the podcast before, because I never owned Sonic 2 until I got the Sonic Mega compilation uh, towards the end of the Mega Drive's life. 
And I nearly bought it. You know, basically, I'd, I'd passed my 11 plus and I was allowed to get a game as a mm. reward for passing that. And um, I thought about getting Sonic 2, but the reviews had all said it was just more of the same as Sonic 1. You know, what reviews I had read just said it was more of the same. And I was like, oh, I'll get something else instead. I mean, that's... And that's the story of how I never owned Sonic 2. <laughs> Which is... And, and it's and it's such a scurrilous lie. It's a scurrilous lie. And also, that would have made me want the game. Because it's more of Sonic, a game I loved. Well, yeah, but... You know, you'd be also on the hunt for something. And I mean, obviously what I wound up in getting was the dog sh bad tailspin game. So. Okay, well, that was going to be my question. I will, yeah. Not having played that, it sounds from your brief review there like the better choice would have been Sonic 2. Constantly crashed. Uh, crashed? Yeah, just froze. God, I don't think I've heard of a Mega Drive game crashing. It must have. I must have experienced it ever, but I don't remember it. Huh. And that, dear listener, is the story of how I missed out on Sonic 2 and its peak. <laughs> Did you, do you have the weird um, cover then that's got like Sonic and Adventures Robotnik scratching his head? And yes, and he's got the little sandwich board with the Sonic 1, Sonic 2 that's and right. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on it. Yeah, I had that one. Oh, that must have been... You, you must have really steeled yourself to put up with that cover because that was very Adventures. I've said that Adventures of Sonic Tales on it as well. Well, I was stupid and young at the time, you know. <laughs> mm, sure. And also, you know, I mean, are you going to show me a cover with uh, Adventures Robotnik on it and I'm an STC reader? Uh, not going to phase me that much. That's not going to phase you at all, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was still a bad cover, don't get me wrong. Oh, it was but... terrible, yeah. You're thinking, oh, I hope they've updated all the graphics to look like STC, as this <laughs> oh, cover gosh, would suggest. Only. <laughs> <laughs> where's the uh, Where's the mod for that? Actually... Where is that, actually? Come on, where's the fan mod for that? It just needs a graphical tweak. It doesn't need anything else. Yeah, now Keep... they're bringing out Origins sometime in the next year. Let's let's get let's get the mod community on that. Tweak yes. all the sprites. Get them looking just so. Because all you have to do is, like, you know, just change Robotnik and change, you know, give Supersonic swirly eyes. You're done. Yeah, there's probably a few other little nips and tucks you could make there. Get a little Elsin-inspired proportions going on on the sprites and everything. But don't make the back spikes of his head curve upwards because you think that's what the UK comic looked like because no, you no, only no. go off of pictures you see shared on social media. <laughs> that doesn't happen for another 40-odd issues yet. <laughs> and of course you have to turn all the badniks silver and draw them wrong. Depends on the artist you're following. Summer. <laughs> <laughs> The Return of Chaotix, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. Armed with an anti-metallics device provided by Dr. Kinderbor, Sonic and the Chaotix depart via the Omniviewer to track the Metallixes back through time. When they're attacked in mid-transit by a platoon of the robots, Sonic uses Kinderbor's device to turn one Metallix against the others. In the chaos, Sonic discovers a rotten egg in the hand of one of the fallen Metallixes, which he finds familiar. Taking it with him, he and the Chaotix continue on their journey, which brings them back to Dr. Kinterbor's lab on the day of the accident that turned Sonic blue. Editor's note, I originally wrote the day of the accident that gave Sonic his powers, but ah. upon realizing Dave would be reading it out, Thank deliberately you. changed the wording so as not have the words catch in his throat. I'm so grateful. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, before we even talk about the content of the story, there's yeah. one big thing that you got to notice right away as soon as your eyes land on it. Go on, what's yours? I've got one. Matt Paper. Matt, exact, that was exact one. Yeah. I was very worried when I saw this. Mm. 
Now, now I'm on record as somebody who likes comics printed on cheaper paper, on matte paper, mm-hmm. on newsprint, whatever. But that opinion is based on the fact that that's how it was back when the UK comics industry was really doing very well. The shelves were full of them, and you could buy them for very cheap and read them and chuck them away. What we've done here, and, well, no, I suppose just what I've done here, which is to keep all of my copies of STC, is weird behaviour and should be weird behaviour. Like, because I'm a fan, I kept this. But that shouldn't be a normal response to comics. I think that they ought to be disposable, because when they are, they're far more fun than when they're made with this sense that, like, you're everyone reading this is a nerd and is going to keep this and collect it, so therefore it should be glossy and so that's why i quite like cheaper paper with comics but but then when reality comes along and smacks you upside the chops i don't like it i'll tell you why part of my opinion about like preferring matte comic paper to shiny comic paper isn't based on stc it's based on you know shiny hardbacks and marvel trade books and these where where they're too shiny they've gone too far and sure, yeah. if you've actually got a light source anywhere near you you have to tilt the page to see the paper <laughs> yeah. because you just get a big glare but stc is the perfect happy medium and in this issue some of the strips in the comic look fine the q zone which we'll get to in a bit looks awful yeah this i don't think the richard elson artwork works on this paper i mean well that's fundamentally right this clearly wasn't supposed to happen this is a one-shot occurrence this is this was some kind of goof yeah i i went into my box you went and got the next issue to check yeah checked that it wasn't a change of direction because yeah i was frankly i was looking at it and i was going well it's cheeky of them to keep the price the same frankly Mm. because it is a downgrade and the thing about like newsprint is or whatever you want to matte paper like like it's fine but the art has to be intended for it yeah you can't just print whatever on it now that said Mm -hmm. i do still get a kind of a nice classic comic vibe off of it off of it you know i remember being well honked off when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it it's just the whiplash like even as i look at it now i'd be perfectly happy if this actually had been what it had been printed like all along yeah i mean just the chain you know like look at it it still looks great oh fantastic but that's because the art is fantastic yeah um so yeah and i don't know so Something about this format says to me collected. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it was a whole issue of reruns of just, like, a single story of Sonic printed like this, this would be the great paper for it. I'd be happy with that. Well, isn't the one thing that's been um, printed on matte paper thus far, wasn't it the one Sonic Summer Special that was just a collection of reprints? Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Oh, and and we're forgetting those two trade books, which I think were as well. So oh, perhaps yes, that's yes. what I'm thinking of then. But well, yeah. that was much heavier, yes. heavier gram oh, yes. paper. But it was it was matte. Yeah. Yes, so good. So, and, and good in the sense that like i don't just have a duff issue yours is like this as well <laughs> no this was yeah yeah if i remember right they might even issue like an apology in a few oh, issues wow now. oh wow god imagine cool. if they'd issued an apology and the opportunity to send off for a glossy reprint for a fixed one yeah, and then we no. and and imagine <laughs> though if we'd done that we would be millionaires that'd be rare, so rare now <laughs> rare glossy variant <laughs> But yeah, that's the whole issue anyway. You you only see it whenever you hit the first page of Sonic, but it is the whole interior of the comic after the cover. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, much much later on in its life, STC will switch to being printed on recycled paper, but uh-huh. it'll never quite be this matte again, I don't think. That that was something of a hurdle, but you have to, once you get used to it, it's fine. And something yeah. about the rest of the strips in the comic actually lend themselves to that style anyway. That's actually, yeah, I was going to see if you were going to say that, because there's one or two bits 
that there's something about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not, not Richard Elson, Sonic, the the very cutting edge yeah. of Sonic artwork. There's just something, it, it feels a little retrograde to see that art on this quality of paper. He's just at home in and kind of to us represents a glossy high-end publication like you know he is the embodiment of the prestige nature of sonic the comic yeah yeah and it goes the other way like some of the some of the artists who don't get held up as like the best of stc is that because they're being presented on this glossy paper that doesn't suit them because the stock of paper does make some kind of a statement about what you're putting out like the beano wouldn't work on the top quality like idw hardback paper would it it's like we got High quality, shiny paper and Richard Elson art. Yeah. Archie Comics got yeah. low quality newsprint and Art Mahoney art, you know. But anyway, enough waffling about paper. We're all slopping around down in the ditch with the artists this issue. What's, what's actually on the page? <laughs> I mean, what's on the page is great. Yes, we see uh, this underground sewer town where the few people who have survived the Metallics takeover of Mobius have been mm. forced to... Uh, sequester themselves yes and they've all got big sad faces on including that there's something in congress about birds flitting about sadly <laughs> i love how he does draw all these big ed the duck heads <laughs> oh you're that's right elson always draws birds and it's you know because that's what flickies look like yeah that's what flicky- so, yeah, yeah but yeah but these them. also have mohawks <laughs> some some of them oh, there's look those two down there with with big curly uh, oh, yeah. curly tops oh yeah and every single one of these poor underground dwellers is wearing a big dirty brown robe you know, like a Morlock or one of those creatures out of the Omega Man or something. Just because that's just what happens when the dystopia happens. Yeah. Is that you go around in robes. Yeah. You got to put your big coat hoods. on. You got to put your big coat on. You got to get your big hood because I guess you know you're shivering around a campfire. That's why it needs to. I mean, it needs to look cold, and it does. Well, actually, to be fair, I've just said they're all dirty brown, but actually, it's just that all the figures are block colored in dirty brown. They could be wearing these nice white and gold, vaguely sort of uh, techno-futuristic robes that Kintamor is wearing, I so who knows? I suppose that's true, but no, I think that brown has been chosen not just to set the mood, but also because... Well, yes, yes, it's it's very much a purposeful... Well, the colour uh, has been uh, drained out of their world now, and uh, yeah. Kintamor still gets to wear this. You ever heard of a brutal dictator by the name of Dr. Robotnik? Robotnik? No, I, I remember a name as stupid as that. <laughs> It's funny to me because um, doesn't isn't it in fourth dimension wherever Sonic reckons that Kintivor would recognize the sound of his own name backwards? Is it? I think that's a line in there somewhere. Well, it's certainly a line that I remember thinking myself because um, I know what my name is backwards, and like I feel like someone. Yeah, I feel like if your name's. Yeah, I feel like. Kintabor would just know his name backwards. I think he will be able to Manuel. figure it out on hearing it. I don't think anybody's brain works that way. You've just figured mean? out what your name sounds like backwards already, and so you know that. So if you yeah, oh yeah. anybody say it, but most people don't. I don't know what my name sounds like backwards. No, but if someone said it, no, my. Do you know what yours is? Do you know what yours is an outlier because there's not as many consonants in yours. <laughs> Leaf. Yeah. Leaf. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. That basically yours can't be said backwards, but. The uh, the distribution of consonants and vowels in my name and Kinterpore's name happen to be that you can say it back. No, n- n- you know he'd get the Nick bit. He would have he would have already mused that robot is in his name backwards. He would have noticed that. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. But the cadence is different, you know. Mm. Ken Tobor versus Robot Nick. Yes. Yeah, that's why you wind up with these Americans sometimes saying it Kintober. Oh, yeah. I can't really fault them that because nobody... En- I no- can. Yeah, but no one's ever actually said Kintobor out loud to us. I just did it to you right now. Yeah. We, and you s- well, that's because we all knew it was right. Yeah, I would. I have always said it Kintobor as well. But this is my point. Like, we thought it was Ivo as well. Like, we don't know. No one's ever... No one has ever told us how to pronounce Kintobor. Listen, first of all, it is Ivo. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, that's a real name. Kintobor isn't. Yeah. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Come Sorry. On. Comics happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, what's what's going on? Uh, uh, Kintobor wants to know why they haven't been affected by the change in the past, which is a good question. And they just oh, sort I love of wave it away by saying, we were on the Miracle Planet, isolated, it doesn't matter. You know? But I will, I, but, but this time when I was sitting there reading this and I thought, you know what, I will accept that actually, because the Miracle Planet is a strange, magical little place where the time stones live. So I guess I could accept oh, that it would somehow yeah. be separated from the flow of time. And therefore, I'm almost willing to accept the idea that Sonic can remember who Metal Sonic was from the first time yeah, around. Totally. Doesn't actually justify uh, anyone else. Well, maybe you could use that to therefore justify the fact that everyone else remembers he ever existed as well. Because he died on the Miracle Planet too. Uh, listen, I am happy with all of that. Yeah, I'm very happy to treat the Miracle Planet as a place exempt from time in some kind of way because it has the time stones on it. But what I love about this the most is that Sonic just interrupts and goes, I don't care. <laughs> yes. Kinterball goes, how does all the time travel work in this? And Sonic goes, I don't care. Let's just get on with it. Sonic has been a bit of a passenger in all of this so far. Yeah. Like he turns up to meet Porker Lewis and uh, and then Chaotix show up and they go. They decide to work together. And you remember last issue when it was basically just Vector dragging Sonic along from place to place while yeah. Sonic was like, I want to fight! I want to have a fight! <laughs> and Vector was like, no. And here's like, Vector's going, well, maybe if we... And Sonic's like, I don't care! I want to have a fight! That's, a, that's an angle on Sonic that I don't think I've ever really thought about before. But yeah, it's like, he, we as readers are reading Sonic because big, complicated stories happen to him, and you and me in particular like the time travel ones. Sonic himself, though, is a guy who doesn't care about any of that, doesn't want to be involved with it, just wants to fight people. And that makes him an interesting protagonist for this kind of story, doesn't it? Well, he, he wants to specifically do something. Not, ne- not in this case specifically fight people, but, yeah. it, you know, that's part, it's inherent. <laughs> yeah. Love this shot of the Omniviewer emerging from Vector's Walkman. Yes. Because we saw, yeah, la- last issue, wasn't it, where Omni powered down and went inside... Vector's Walkman. Maybe it's even the issue before. I think it could but here he comes, comes slurping out of it. And um, I, ju- I love the way that it, it starts as a narrow beam yeah. in the Walkman that then threads its way through two panels diagonally above and below it. Oh, yeah. And then in the wider area beyond those two panels, it fully takes shape as the Omniviewer. That's just a nice bit of page layout that really jumped out. It is, yeah. I didn't even notice that at the time, but yeah, you're right. And look at the way his mouth is in the beam, and it's... it's His whole face is <laughs> yeah. like it's coming, riding the beam up to fit into the screen. Yeah. Like, this issue get just has a bit more fun than we've seen before with the Omniviewer becoming more expressive and his frame warping and bending to to uh, to oh, show movement yeah. and expression and everything too there's some really good rich has given us some great drawings of that frame warping like just before the finale you know it's mm-hmm. fantastic on page six really great stuff 
I find this a slightly emotionless reunion between Sonic and his old best friend. That well, that's the thing is that that's kind of happened between comics. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. That, like, yeah. Uh, he took his hood off at the end of last issue, and then at the start of this one, he's led them to the underground... Uh, you're right the underground place, yeah. But uh, you're not... You, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, this mm. story doesn't... Like, generally speaking... Well, it's funny. STC just never... So, despite being the piece of media that is most famous for appearing in, mm-hmm. STC never really minds the idea of Kintobor to its fullest. Mm. You know, like... Maybe Sonic wouldn't have a particularly emotional reunion with Kintobor because he actually chats to Kintobor most days. It's just uh, that it's Kintobor's yeah. intelligence inside a computer, you know? Yeah. But then they never use the computer to its fullest. They never really... I don't believe that at any point that there's any ever any kind of showdown between the Kintobor computer and Robotnik, no. which would be amazing. Yeah, that would be so good. You know? They just sort of never really exploit the dramatic potential of this character to its fullest. No, they do lean into it a bit next issue, but they could have taken some time to do something emotional. Sonic doesn't know definitely what the metallics have changed. We as readers who have been around since mm. issue 8 can very quickly put it together. Yeah. I mean, we could put it together from the end of last issue, but we can see the very specifics of it this issue. And Sonic realises that by his presence, Kintobor is the signifier of, of how the timeline has been changed. And he's like, well, we got to put it back. Mm. And it's like, there's not even any kind of concern that yeah. he's about to go back and wipe Kintobor and, back out. Yeah. Out of existence again, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. He just says to Kinterbor, like, okay, well, uh, so this is going on. Uh, I'm going to go and do this. Uh, if I go back in time, I'll do this. Like, he's just... Yeah, you know what I mean? He's mm, yeah, he's, yeah. he's reacting to the re-emergence of his friend who ostensibly, you know, like in the olden days and in the Sonic in the Fourth Dimension and so on, he was essentially... His whole fight was to get this guy back. He's met him and he's like, oh, this is wrong. Uh, I better fix this. And yes, it's a little bit cold. It's a little bit... Yeah, there isn't yeah. really an emotional component to, to the story reunion. no no there isn't no it's a shame i don't know what how much of the fact that we've just finished reading through sonic in the fourth dimension that opinion comes from or, or... i i would say it's informed by it but it's still i still believe you're correct yeah. you're right and it would be i think it would i would enjoy it more if that was the case it's still great to see Kinderborg again. Oh, it's but... so great, and it means that they're remembering that stuff and they care about that stuff behind the scenes at the comic. The fact is that time has moved on since issue eight so far. So much time. Yeah, that like Sonic's... three years nearly. Yeah. Sonic's priorities are completely different now, and like yes, in real life that isn't long enough for. But but in terms of a franchise, in terms of a comic that children are reading, we're a long way out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like as far as like kids go like there are a lot of kids reading this right now who never read that story that's the thing and i find as we go through this issue and it gets brought up again a couple of times at the end in the speed lines and the next issue thing i didn't remember how hard stc pushes this revisit of the of the olden days as if it's the reveal of sonic and robotnik's origin story yeah this whole thing plays it as a retelling of it as if, as if you didn't know it already, yeah. yeah. But it's also very successful in that regard, in that it functions almost as a mystery for kids who haven't read yeah. it before, and as a sort of steadily unfolding puzzle box for those of us who have read it already. We see the pieces in play, yeah. and we're like, oh, ah, e, ah, oh, and we get to get there ahead of the strip. Yeah, because I remember reading this, and I remember what my reaction to this was at the time, and it was... Well, it was exactly my reaction to Sonic in the Fourth Dimension. And I and obviously I made the connection between the two, but like I didn't really think of 
You know, I wasn't like, oh, they're doing this, are they? Like, I was just like, yes, mm. this is the kind of Sonic story I like. To me, I was just, yeah, I was just responding to this. like, yes, brilliant. The STC version of going back to this story and seeing what happened. And like, but the, yes, brilliantly played it. And that's exactly how I, I didn't consider that it was anything other than that. So it lands perfectly for new readers, old readers. Probably the average reader at this point is not mm. us. We're probably a bit too old yeah. for it. To most people reading this, it probably will be the first time they've heard any of this stuff. So they are sensible. I just didn't. I'm surprised because I didn't remember them playing it as if. Then, well, we always talk about the caption when we get there, but when we get there, it's really going to be about this. They get in the armor viewer and they head off anyway, and they get ambushed by the metallics, like like outside of time in the yeah. yellow and magenta void outside of of time. The omni viewer just slams into something. It's like he slams <laughs> to a halt, and everyone flies out of him. Yeah. I love the idea that that can even happen. Like, he's really just like a little fish tank <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, they just slosh out of the top of him. It's almost weird to think that they experience momentum inside his his yeah. timeless void. Because <laughs> we're watching him zip along through time, following a kind of streaky trail. And he's an, a an, chronotron yeah. trail, he calls it. And there are these, like pink bubbles bursting in his way because he goes poop, 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 like little like little sonic booms but time booms yeah. it's brilliant and then yeah he slams to a halt everyone flies out you don't see what they did to make that happen but they did mm. and now everyone's like it, it, it's drawn as if there's a ground but it's also cleverly drawn to never show us what the ground is they're just obviously standing and landing on something as they have this yeah. fight something's there mm-hmm. but it's just a sort of void with with boom impact lines on it to give the impression of sonic's running on something <laughs> yeah yeah because we get this basically just one big splash page of a fight the panel running across the top is yeah. vector going chaotic attack and mighty being like hey action at last uh and then the rest of the page say the other two-thirds of the page is just one big square panel of a, of a single action shot of Sonic running in a big S shape around the field as Mighty takes on one Metallics and SBO takes on another uh, while uh, another Metallics like laser beams Mighty from the sky and Vector's like try to get into formation and Sonic's oh no time for battle plans now and it's like finally after a couple of issues of being grabbed by the arm and told no Sonic gets to get in and have a fight <laughs> yeah and he kicks up a lot of like green smoke Rich is putting in unusual properties of this area. So you've, you've mm. apparently this green... At first it's just smoke, but then the next panel... It's yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a grey, like, dust trail. Yeah. But then as he's bouncing around the metallics, it's it's suddenly green smoke. It goes a bit haunted, doesn't it? And then, yeah, so then Sonic slaps the the odd metallics control device thing that Kinterbor gave him, saying, you know, does it work? Don't know, we've never been able to try it. And uh, now we're going to try it. And what it does... And what it does is it, it simply makes the one metallics that he slaps it on the head of see the other metallics as uh enemies uh boop 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 metallics i watch okay yes <laughs> i did notice no pupils <laughs> that now they seem to be sort of what marbles or something the one that its head's blowing off it's got these two balls that are bulging out of its uh eye are, well now. i'm gonna believe those are the bulbs that make the little lights that <laughs> sit in the dark recess its of, bulbs uh, are coming out yes yeah <laughs> God, this is Elson really relishing getting to do what he can with the destruction of Metallics again. There's yeah. that big coiled spring spine yeah. hanging off the back of the head as one Metallics laser beams the head off another one. We love him. Rich loves him. <laughs> and he always puts... He's always consistent on uh, giving them a sort of like a hoop 
where their head sits mm-hmm. on their body as well. That's that that always pings off. That's nice. A little washer yeah. <laughs> that they rotate on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they screw their heads on, yeah. I like the way the Metallicists call each other brother. Yes. I don't know why I just do. Brother, stop. You are malfunctioning. And our heroes book out at that point while the Metallicists are wrestling with each other. And in the hand of the one that, whose head got shot off, yes. Sonic sees... A rotten egg. And that's what I'm talking about when I say we as old school readers yes. spot. Well, well, this is the thing. It's actually been visible from two pages ago. Really? You see on that page where foolish creatures of flesh, did you truly believe the Brotherhood would leave the timelines unguarded? Whoa! It is! It's right there in the metallic hand. And then in the uh, in the fight scene page, you see the one who's... Uh, you see the one who Mighty's grabbed? Whoa! It's right there. Yep. Whoa! There's only three of these metallicses. So yeah, the one who gets his head zapped oh, off was holding the egg well all good. along. And I tell you what, it's uh, my my automatic reaction is don't give one of these powerful robots an egg to hold. Like that's going to go no, everywhere. Like their hands are made of knives. Yeah, but then <laughs> are they going to hold on to it? But then, actually, when I see the way it's drawn in the uh, the large fight panel. It's kind of hooked in under his thumb, and I realise, yeah, no, these are precise instruments. Like, if you had a machine... If you had a machine that, like, closes its fingers but until forget, it feels egg... A- it's just supposed to be a dagger. It, I mean, it's drawn there as if the thumb is hooked around it, but the thumb shouldn't be able to hook. It's a solid metal spike. Oh, yeah, he's done well to make it look like it would hook. But anyway, we recognise that egg. Yeah. And we are able to... Uh, we Obviously, we already know that one of whatever the Metallics did, it stopped Kintabor from turning into robotic. Yeah. And now we, as an audience who have been around for this length of time, are able to put two and two yeah. together and realise... They've removed the egg from Kintabor's fridge. But Sonic doesn't even, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure Sonic's encountered many eggs in his time. (laughs) So when he sees an egg, he does not inherently think, ah, the egg. That is a good bit of apologism for the fact that, no, Sonic should have figured this out at that point. He really should have figured this out by now, shouldn't he? I know. I really have. He kind of should have when he saw that. Um... But yeah, that, that'll that be why. Since he knows that Kintabor exists, he really should have been able to figure out the fact that the Metallicists have a rotten egg. Well, what I would have what I would have put here, if we if we, if we want him to still not work out what's going on at this stage, you would have him go, a rotten egg. Maybe Robotnik is around here somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Because Robotnik, he has loads of rotten eggs. That's where Sonic keeps seeing rotten eggs. I get the feeling this should mean something to me. Yeah. Yeah, it should, It Sonic. should. Come on. <laughs> anyway, they, but I do like they, they get it. They, he hops inside the Omniviewer and they head back off on their journey. And as they go, Omniviewer goes, Did you have to bring the egg? <laughs> <laughs> then we get, yeah, those great panels of the Omniviewer warping through time. Look at that panel there where he materializes in the lab and he screams God. his way into reality. That's, that's the one. It's so good. Every aspect of it is great because it's. The previous panel where he's zipping along following the trail again, that's already good because he's warped that frame in a way that really makes it look like he's like forcing himself forwards and the frame is bending against the impact of yeah. the speed. And then this last one, it's we're inside essentially the, the docking bay looking out as this screen comes screeching towards us, still bent, but just in a in a in a what am I thinking of? Like, there was a period in the 90s when screens would be drawn like this when they showed up as the here's what's coming up next on children's TV type graphic. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean, yeah. it's that kind of... It's bent in that interesting way. But the face on it is a brilliantly drawn 
Because Omni's face, if you if you, if you for whatever reason you're not reading along, you don't know uh, the face on this. It's a little hard to describe exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the face on this screen is like a realistic comic man's face, but like where in let's say a a, a cape comic you might expect there to be black shadow used. That hmm. is white, and that's all you see. Just the outline of these white streaks. That's what the whole thing yeah. is built out of. And this particular drawing is such a good drawing of a face, but also slightly warped by this this effort that he's putting in. It's just, it's great. It's like the face is dragging the screen yeah. along behind it, yeah. almost. You know, it's like the way that his eyebrows and the wrinkle lines around his eyebrows extend out to the corners of the screen as if the face was pressed against the screen and it was yeah. pushing through it and the, the frame was being warped behind it. It's hard to describe. You really have to go and look at it yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they hop out. They peer around a corner. That's Kinnabor. I'd know him anywhere. Don't recognize that weirdo with him, though. Thanks, Charmy. That Charmy is me. Sorry. <laughs> and we see... Dr. Kintobor, lovely, love this drawing of Dr. Kintobor with his big wonky teeth grinning away and his eye, you can see his pupils through the glasses doesn't happen very often. Yeah. As brown and spiky Sonic stands in the background on the kinetic geratosphere <laughs> before the accident. Yes, I like that Kintobor has painted it uh, uh, different rainbow stripes. <laughs> yeah, well he's got a sense of design. He has, yeah. <laughs> He's got, a, he's got an aesthetic as Dr. Kinderboy. It takes a lot of work to get your hair to stick out directly to two sides like that. He looks so much more like a British comics character the way he's drawn here. I don't uh. know what it is exactly. Oh, do you know what? Mind you, though, now I've just gone and ruined it for myself. Oh because you can really see how Elson has had to curtail mm. the tuft of hair on the left-hand side of his oh, head yes. so that it doesn't overlap Sonic. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, well. Feels like Kintobor as a figure should just be shifted to the left a bit more. Yes. Don't, we don't need that zero miles per hour sign in the background. No. I've only literally just noticed it now. See, but... these days you just would, wouldn't you? You'd just go, oh, I'm, I'll just... Just lift that. Move, move that it, over yeah. the side. I guess maybe when he drew him he forgot he had to have the pokey out hair. <laughs> Probably, yeah, because he, uh, I mean, I think of the pokey out hair as, as just sort of growing in tufts from like his, uh, from his sideburns. But you see how far down it seems to come, yeah. almost from the back of his head there. Yeah. Next issue, the origin of Dr. Robotnik, and this is what you're getting at. Mm. At last, the truth can be told. Yeah. So it's a reveal. It was told already, but that's how they're playing it, yeah. yeah. And fair enough. Good. Come, come on board, new kids. But it's really great how... It really does function on those two levels. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the shock to, like, we, the familiar, have been able to put the pieces together as we've gone. And and we haven't even gone back to the accident that created Robotnik. Yeah. You know, we've gone back to the accident that created Sonic. Mm -hmm. So we get to go, it's that. It's that That's yeah. when we've gone back to again. Um, and then kids who don't know it are now seeing all these clues laid out that they may not necessarily un fully understand. And then to go back to this moment that they've never seen before yeah it, it really functions on those two levels and i really hadn't thought about it like that till you brought it up let's take a moment to do our old man sonic fan thing for a bit here because i think a lot of people think of the kinterbor story as this thing that happened for a hot minute even there are some who barely acknowledge the stc stuff and just think that it's well it's this disney comic that came out that had this thing in but this is as we've just described like a generation of Sonic fans later, this story is having to be re-established and retold to them because 
It's been so many years since the last time it was told, and yet it is. it still remains the story of Sonic. It is. Say, it'll be in another few years. This doesn't stop here. In another couple of years, or maybe just one year, the official Sega website will go up with this listed as the origin of Sonic on the web, on the internet Sonic era. This is the story of Sonic. And it didn't just happen very briefly. It went on for years and years and years, and it's... Really weird that it's not acknowledged anymore. This is true. You know, to be to be honest, just well, just when we're talking about it, I do have to say, yeah. I don't necessarily put as much into the specifics of this origin story as I think you do sometimes. Because oh, we've yeah. talked before about how you you specifically like that Sonic has a an ethos behind it that there's an end state that's attempting to be reached and whatever. Yes, that's one of the and, things uh, I like about and, it. Yeah. I don't necessarily need Robotnik to have an origin like this or mm. for Sonic to have an origin for why he's blue or anything. With me, it's really just that it's like the games. Yeah. That's, you know, the, when they, when they strip it all down, it's like yeah. this story is a means of facilitating a story that's a wider universe setting that draws its inspiration directly from the games and their mechanics. Mm. More, more so than the specifics of who Kintabor is and what Robotnik is and everything. Because I can absolutely, and I've said it before, see the very legitimate arguments about how, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a Robotnik who's just evil because he's just made evil in a lab accident, you know. Yeah. Or uh, or how they're, you know, certainly now in 2021, no, there doesn't need to be an, or a reason for a why reason Sonic why is blue, blue. Because, no. yeah. No, it, well, for me, it's that, it's not that you need it. It's that it is it. Like, that was what it was. I mean, I suppose the no, thing... No, I'm with you on that far, yeah. I suppose the thing to compare it to is the fact that, you know, as we're recording this a little bit ahead of time because of the Christmas uh, buffer we need to build up and everything, that new Spider-Man film has just come out, making the third Spider-Man film, and then more if you include the various Marvel films he's been in, where he doesn't have an origin story. Oh, Dave, no, I'm going to have to stop you there because if you push me, I will talk and you don't want me to talk about this movie. Mm. No, you know, you're going to have to cut all this. I'm going to say this to you okay. now. Okay, fair enough. But regardless of what the current film does, the point does still stand that, like, we've had a lot of years of them going, here is a guy who we all know what his origin story was, and we're just going to leave you to decide among yourselves whether or not he has that origin story in this version. And and everyone did decide that he does. Like, the, the the general consensus was like, oh, I'm sure there was an Uncle Ben. I'm sure there was something. It'll be something. And that's because we all know, everyone knows and agrees up till now, that that's mm. the story of this guy. And that's what my opinion is of Sonic. Like, that was the story of this guy. And it's weird to suddenly take it away and just not mention it. And they're not going to do an Into the Spider-Verse of Sonic that addresses this. Mm. It's just gone. Um... And it turns out it is fine without it, as for a number of years did Spider-Man. But it's weird to me because that's the story. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, that's. I think in my old age, I simply am more accepting of the fact that it was our story. Yeah, and I accept that that's what it was, and mm. so I don't uh, lament the loss of that story specifically. Mm. Unlike the way many artists lament the loss of the things that were really mm. just theirs, which they have this possessive idea of being uh, inherent pieces of Sonic lore that deserve to carry forward yeah. because they were theirs. You know, uh, where, whereas I don't, you know, I don't have that hold over the Kinderbor stuff. It's just that 
the the way that it was about specifically being like the games unlike all other sonic media was where my heart really lay with it but mm. we've talked this topic yeah. to death over the years so many times yeah. in that obviously how would we grow up not thinking that this was the story because it was when it was not just in this but in the books the game books everything the website yeah. the uh, the american disney all of it Everything except one obscure side comic series going on, made by a company as removed from Sega as Disney or someone. As a company that has its own house style that all of its readers recognize and expect. And so if like if a game came out that contradicted it, it wouldn't be a surprise. And that's what Archie is. Whereas with STC it did feel like it was in like more closely connected together with the games that were coming out. Yeah. But on the off chance that you haven't been listening to this podcast from the start... Yes, if you're one of the new generation. Could you believe somebody listening to a podcast and not going back to the first episode? (laughs) Maybe you don't know. Maybe all the time we spend talking about this leaves you dazed and confused. Mm. Well, at last, next issue, for you, dear reader, the truth can be told. And we will see you then. Imagine that. If we imagine if we had a new generation of listeners like STC did of readers. <laughs> Five year cycle, we're gonna start putting repeats in. <laughs> Reviews Ah, uh, there's nothing to there's nothing. It's FIFA Soccer ninety six reviewed by Chris Jones. It's a two page review zone. Goal, 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 goal is the shout heard as you score a goal. That's how it opens. It's, a, it's, it's not it's a promising, is it? Do you know what? I apart from that opening, I actually found this review quite readable. A lot of these, I you know, I just skim without meaning to. Sometimes my yeah. eyes skim right off and out the window and down the road. This one, I don't know, it held a bit more of my. Uh, I tell you what, it'll be because I've now watched one football match, so of course I understand <laughs> all the nuances Listen. of the available tactics. And <laughs> this review has exactly one good, genuinely funny line in it, which gave me a good laugh, uh-huh. and it's the very last line. Uh, he gives it a very good review anyway. <laughs> the only criticism is that the team's strips don't always resemble their real ones. Arsenal don't play in all red. Shut up. <laughs> uh, anyway, the line in question is, this is a game worth dipping into the transfer market for, <laughs> by which I mean transferring it from the shop to your <laughs> Mega Drive. Yeah. Not bad, Chris Jones. Yeah. Do we know Chris? Have we had Chris Jones before? Is he new? I don't recognise the yeah, name. I, maybe. I feel like that's a name maybe we heard on the news zone before. Oh, really? Seems like I might have heard, maybe heard in the news. Oh, right I don't there. know. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, I wish I had something more, but I don't. It's just a football review. Just a football review, and it insists on talking about Cantona and stuff. Yeah. Eric Cantona will be the real ooh-ah. Yeah. Whatever that means. I mean, no, no, I know you, yeah. ooh-ah, Cantona. I'm yeah. not so culturally <laughs> sealed off that I don't remember that. Overall 90%, Rave Soccer Magic Graves, not just a game about 22 men and a ball. Uh, that sounded like a quote, and it is. I looked it up. It was Gary Lineker, 1990. Football is a simple game. 22 men chase a ball for 90 minutes, and in the end, the Germans win. <laughs> so, yeah, football. Flipping bye, football. Decap attack. Nanny Knows Best. Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner, with art by Nigel Kitching and letters by Tom Frame. Professor Stein has called his old childhood nanny in to help Head recover from his drink problem. But her noxious soups, soppy storybooks, and early bedtimes are doing Head's head in. Igor lets Chuck back into the castle to help get rid of her, but she's a tough old bird who soon puts those wicked boys in their place. 
It's just jokes, Dave. Yeah, it's some some jokes. I mean, it always is, but uh, <laughs> we're. I feel like we're we're rapidly running out of. I know stuff to say about decap attack whenever they're doing these little one shots. I mean, this is really the sixth part of a sort of run of six interconnected issues because this is head being nursed back to health after his crash yes it's interesting that isn't it something about the one-off gag sitcom but that has an ongoing story that's an unusual thing for comics and something about it really appeals to me i'm just thinking actually is this the sixth or is this the fifth i I said sixth but i think i can't remember i wish they'd done the decap attack collection book that this would have fitted it down to the ground, it would have been brilliant. So Nanny is sort of like Mary Poppins yes. crossed with Nanny from Duck Yes, yeah, she's got the, the Mary Poppins style... Well, I was going to say the Mary Poppins style she's got hat. She's hat. Is that a Mary Poppins yeah. hat? I'm, I'm trying to picture... Yes, I suppose she... Yes, yes, she has a hat a bit like this at one point, doesn't she? And she's got her umbrella too. Oh, yes, of course she has, yes. Later on. But she is built like a brick shit house, mm. like Nanny from Duck Yes. Isn't it interesting how much cultural cachet Nanny's had, even though, like, have you ever met anyone who had one? <laughs> no <laughs> we all we just accepted them they were that thing from mary poppins and then you know duckula had one as well <laughs> i mean rich people still have them i'm sure rich people still have them because their their parents are far too rich to raise their own children yes you yeah know. ah how wonderful to have my own nanny back with me again how could those brutes keep her in prison for the last <laughs> 20 years igor Pope sticks his head into the panel well, it could be because she poisoned half the mid glamorgan Light Operatic Society. It was all lies! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the the next one is the one I love. That, oh, that Chuck, um, Chuck has been... F- it's so good. <laughs> Igor goes up to a small plant pot with a flower sticking out of it and goes, He's gone, you can come out now. And out of it comes Chuck, who's like <laughs> three times bigger than the plant pot. And he's just comes out of it. I love that. With the dollop of dirt flower and the flower on, his head, on yeah. his head. It's brilliant physical comedy. Yep. Like, I love this it. This is so good. It's so funny. I don't know why. It's just because of... it's so, it's so, It sounds stupid to say out loud he's bigger than the flower pot. But it's really funny. Yeah, I know. I think it's somehow funnier <laughs> because it's in... It's two beats in yeah. two panels yeah. in a in a comic rather than in a cartoon. You know, you wouldn't mm. laugh at it so much in a cartoon. Or you'd, you've seen it. It's because it's nothing. There's nothing new about it under the sun. You've seen that yeah. joke a million times in cartoons. But it's just something about the way it's done here is just really freaking yeah. funny. And I think it, part of it is how cross he looks. <laughs> he really is not happy. <laughs> But then, yeah, then, like, just some dumb stuff happens for the rest of the comic that I couldn't even put... It wasn't yeah. worth putting in the synopsis, you know? They try to get nannies to stop reading children's storybooks, Mr. Cuddle Bunny, the entire series, to Head, who Head, Head refuses to play along with the storybook, you know? They kick the door off the hinges, we'll save you, put the book down and nobody gets hurt. I've got the whole series here and I'm not afraid to use it! <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, or, what it is, is it's a Fungus the Bogeyman type joke where they all don't want to hear nice stories because they're nasty. And to them, nasty yeah. is nice and it's the monsters or whatever. That That's all it is. Um, but Mr. Cuddle Bunny was my favourite. <laughs> don't leave me again, Nanny. I shan't stay where I'm not wanted. And she puts on her coat, gives her umbrella and her old carpet bag. And off she heads, and then uh, while she's leaving the castle, Chuck and Igor are lurking around the corner, and Chuck <laughs> throws head at he her. It's all hurt, but it'll be it. worth it. And then she just fluffs up her umbrella yeah. in such a way that you can't tell if she did it deliberately. or yes. if she's just, Yeah. 
and head bounces off the umbrella and clobbers Chuck and Igor. And then they're laying in a heap in the snow. They are clobbered. And, and that's it. That's the gag. That's, and that's it. Comic. Next issue, another decap attack adventure. Another one. Next issue, another one. <laughs> what's, uh, what's that one more line head had that I really enjoyed? They're watching her come out of the castle. And Chuck says, are you sure about it? She's just a sweet old lady. Look, she's got it coming. And then, as Chuck lifts head in his hand, head says, He goes, right, you never had to listen to Mr. Cuddle Bunny Goes to Town with all the actions. With all, all the, the actions. actions. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, this one kind of pulled things around for me now. The, the last two decaps were a little a little wobbly. Yeah. You know, they muffed that punchline that one oh, right. time and... Uh, um, and the creosote joke didn't go over so well with me last time either, but this one <laughs> the is... focus groups turned that one down. Yeah, but this one, yeah, it's just a bunch of silly stuff that happens, yeah. and and I can put on the nanny duckula voice. <laughs> is it the worst one yet, Dave? Oh, I mean, well, you ask that every episode, and it's difficult to think back yeah. over all of them to remember which one really, truly is the worst one. It's just the feebleness of it i don't even remember that i actually ask that every time do i ask that every time i don't know if it's every time but you've certainly asked it before if i do it's only truly because i must believe each successive one is the it's worst because one. it's so feeble every time you turn the page and there is the least art they could do covering the most space it can cover presented as if we should be excited and grateful <laughs> and this is a ball hog yeah which is one of the the pig-like badnik that shoots a ball out of their tummy yeah from the scrap brain zone from sonic one and it's not even the right bloody colors that was i was thinking that it's not is it no this is drawn blue with red highlights but ball hogs are purple yeah. with a sort of yellowy green highlight yes and it's normally got sort of trotter hands whereas here it, it there's one too many trot and so it kind of looks like flappy wings in Instead. One too many trot. Yes. Do you imagine that the, the individual parts of a trotter are a trot? <laughs> One trot, another trot, <laughs> and you got a trotter, yeah. Um, so they look like bat wings. And in fact, when I've, I've just now googled Sonic Bullhog to find out what colour they're meant to be, and yes, pinky purple mm -hmm. as you say, one of the drawings I'm seeing come up is a Richard Elson drawing of a bullhog with bat wings. So I guess they at SDC they just thought that's oh, what right. they had. Mm -mm. Oh yeah, there he is. Alright. That? That's, from, that's from later on. Yes. You couldn't, you couldn't, sw I, I wouldn't put two, oh, looks like the ball hog was in Adventures of Sonic, surprising. Yes. Or, or well, it's a robot that looks a bit sure like a It was pig. probably called a ball hog. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't put a ton of stock in that, because that's clearly from the later era. Yeah. And I would like to see the in-story context in which that ball hog design appears exactly yeah. i would go around saying that about it exactly is it part of the story all i can tell you is that it links to the sonic fandom wiki entry on ball hogs that says that in sonic the comic uh, depending on the artist the ball hogs design would differ between their appearances in the latter half of the comic they were also given wings enabling them to fly yeah well depending on the artists their design would differ is true of literally every single thing in the comic <laughs> so but it do doesn't it look like this is the origin point of that. This is someone just slightly incorrectly drawing a bullhog's arm so that it looks like a pair of bat wings. Yeah, I could believe that that Elson was handed this mm. render of a bullhog and misinterpreted what Ferran Rodriguez, this is Ferran Rodriguez again mm. if we didn't say it, what he has drawn as their arms and misinterpreted them as being bat wings, mm. yeah. But it's just real bad anyway, and it's probably not going to stop anytime soon. No, I mean, they're on, they've got this 
sweet gravy train going on now where apparently they could just draw this tat and we'll buy Let's it. Let's Farron get a paycheck and it fills up the centre pages nicely and they don't even have the common decency to put ads on the back of both halves. <laughs> we got the techno ad on the back of the other side of this one. But we've seen that before. Not a single new ad in this issue, folks, unfortunately. No, well, Technic. Not Sorry, Technic, I beg your pardon. Techno is a whole other STC thing. Yes. <laughs> Needs no advertisement. These posters provide us with so little content, though, which is why it's at times like these, right in the middle of the comic, where the new zone used to be, that we like to turn to the... Diary Zone! We have a Sonic-centric fortnight in the life of young Dave in 1996. Think what this kid is going through, right? For the first time now, I have, in my hands, in my possession, not just borrowed off a cousin, swapped off a friend, no. I own a copy of Sonic 3. Of course. And a copy of and Sonic, Sonic and Knuckles. And Knuckles. <laughs> For the first time. You woofdish indeed. Saturday, the 20th of January, 1996, 10.55 p.m. 10.55 p.m.? That's quite... Devin, you're up late, boy. I'm up pretty late for a, what, 13-year-old? You're at school. Well, yeah, but it's Saturday. Oh, okay. But still, finished... Now, this is interesting. Finished S&K 3, Sonic & Knuckles 3. I'm trying to come up with a way to describe this new game I've discovered. The two things that These together. two things stuck together. Finished S&K 3 as Sonic & Tails. Did it as Nooks ages ago. Oh, you were calling him Nux even back then? Not a fan of Nux, but I was writing with pen on paper. I'm trying to save time How have you here. spelled it? With a C-K-S. Not with an S. Ah. Not with an S. So you've really just dropped the two letters. I really, yes. So, okay, so finished it as Sonic and Tails. Did it as Knuckles? So I just went for straight for Knuckles, which doesn't know that makes sense because... Play as Knuckles in Sonic 3 was the original draw of Lock-On, if you didn't know about yeah. real Sonic 3, which I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, also, it's like it's Knuckles. It's Knuckles. Uh, you know, you've played as Sonic and Tails already. On Saturday, the 20th of January 1996, found for the first time how to get into Knuckles' little place in Sonic and Tails' Mushroom Hill and got my first Super Emerald Way. Brackets. Of red one, Knuckles's little place. His little the, place. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> his little place. I thought you meant like a little hidden spot on the map or something. But you mean you found the first the, the giant ring chamber. that took you to the Emerald Shrine. <laughs> Sunday, the twenty-first of January, ninety-six, ten thirty-nine p.m. And this entry just starts. Sonic, Sonic. <laughs> I'm just well into it. I'm in playing a lot of Sonic Three and Knuckles. That's the very weekend this issue came out. Oh, well, there you are, Red Andy. My younger brother, all the Sonic and Knuckles stories from STC. There it is. That's that's when we've we've alluded to us both doing that. That is when it happened. <laughs> Reading the brothers the stories. Yeah. Thursday, the twenty fifth, ten forty two p.m. I've had two cool ideas. One I've had for ages: get a Mega Drive stereo wire. Because the me I had a Mega Drive 2, so you didn't just have a stereo headphone output, you had to get a SCART lead. Mm. Get a Mega Drive stereo wire, plug it in the front, and video Sonic and Knuckles. But that would be boring to watch. So, I figured out... Oh, Dave. Oh, little Dave. <laughs> you think the idea of recording videos of people playing video games would be boring? <laughs> oh, it's no wonder you never made it as a Let's Player song. <laughs> I know. So I figured out which order the different parts of the zones go in. Doesn't sound difficult to do. <laughs> act one, act two. Or does he mean the, the order Sonic and Knuckles' parts go in? I, I think that might be what it is, yeah. 
Um, well, I've figured out which order the different parts of the zones go in, and I've done scripts for some of it. This'll be cool. Also, Dad says I'll be able to record Amiga anims. So, I'll make loads, animations made on the Amiga, spanning millions of discs, tape them, and wipe the discs! I can make my own cartoon film! <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking into account the scarcity of floppy disks in the household. How are you getting them filmed? What I'm doing, what the, the, what the concept is, is that I'll make three seconds of animation, right? Mm -hmm, yeah, put it on a disc. Then I'm videoing it, I'm bunging a tape in. Dad has just told me today that I'll be able to connect the Amiga to a VCR. Right, right, So okay. I'll video it, then I make the next five minutes of the, of the film, and I video that, and, and I'm wiping over the previous scenes, because I've only got one box of discs. Or one whatever. disc, yeah. Of course, gotcha. now the archivist in me despairs at this concept. The very notion. The yes. very notion. Uh, but, as we're going to find out next episode, I needn't have had any such concern because the whole project falls apart dramatically in a way that we'll find no. out. No. Shocking. Shocking to me <laughs> that this project did not see completion. But before all that, I need my stereo wire. Next day, Friday the 26th of January, 10.50pm, I wrote lyrics to Angel Island, brackets, S and K Megamix. Don't know. I don't know what the S and K. No! Oh no! You didn't. Oh no! I was going to ask you to sing them for us right now. I may have them. I will. I'll go searching through what I re what I recall is that I'm talking about here is that yeah. I with this idea of making Sonic Three and Knuckles the movie, I'm gonna like combine a playthrough of the game with these animations that I'm gonna do. And I'm going to make it a musical. Mm. So, yeah, all of the levels are going to have lyrics. Of course. And the first level, as I remember it, the gist of it was Sonic and Tails are like, oh, we're on this new island. And who was that red guy that we saw? Red? I think so. Jeez. Because I'm recording the Sonic 3 and Knuckles version, you know. But also there was this secondary, there was this B plot to the song, which was that Tails is obsessed with Supersonic. He thinks Supersonic is the coolest thing he's ever seen. Well, he's right there. And Sonic is having to explain to him, no, you don't understand how out of control I am when I'm Supersonic. And that was how it ended. You know the bit where it's like, dun, 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 dun. that was like, one day you will understand dun, dun, out of hand I can get when I'm Supersonic. But, in, but the last bit was he, he just said, when I'm super, and he runs off and Tails goes, Sonic! in time with the music something like that <laughs> oh that's pretty, that good, pretty right? good yeah, yeah. where are we up to here's the plan here's how the end of the sonic and knuckles video film goes so knuckles asks sonic to get the master emerald from robotnik so mm. he gets on the death egg as the storyline goes when they win the emerald goes off screen sonic lands on the plane Sonic tells Tails he'll take over and go to fetch Knuckles. Meanwhile, Knuckles, in the Sky Sanctuary remains, meets the Metallics, who's caught the Master Emerald. Right, it is, so I'm working out what order, how I can stitch together Sonic's bits mm. and Knuckles' bits to form a single narrative. And in this, it's that Sonic saves the Master Emerald from Robotnik, but Metallics catches it and fights Knuckles down on the Sky Sanctuary. He gets it back, and he goes off with Sonic. Then, the Angel Island song comes on. Now, I don't mean what I've just been talking about. What I mean is, the credits song, which is... Angel Island, Angel Island, Angel Island stories Got intrigue and adventure and a big fight at the end <laughs> Angel Island, Angel Island, Angel Island story About rivals with a mission and how they then became friends <laughs> That one I remember. <laughs> 
Love it. And then, and of course, every every end credits needs to have more than one song. And, and I think we can all agree we know what it needs to have in any good end credits. Knuckles' rap. Mm. Yeah. I have written a Knuckles rap, Chris, to go in oh, this thing. Oh, no. Yes. The whitest thing that ever happened. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be, I think, the whitest thing that ever happened. <laughs> One of the Sonic CD tracks was this quite laid-back thing. And yeah, and I wrote a Knuckles rap to that. Uh, you'll be glad to hear I can't remember very much of it. No, I'm a little disappointed. I can remember <laughs> some of it. I can remember... Okay, here's what I can remember. DJ Spin That sh <laughs> Okay, it went. My name's Knuckles, as a matter of fact. The land you're on is mine. Is there a problem with that? Up here on Angel Island, I'm gonna stay till the end. No hedgehog's gonna shift me. He's an ally, not a friend. I've got a treasure to protect, a debt to collect. I've got a palace in the mountain full of emeralds. The last time I checked, it ain't fun, but I'm doing what I've got to. I ain't gonna mess with the doctor. Okay. <laughs> so that's gonna play on the end credits. I'm looking forward to finding out next issue why this all fell through. <laughs> there are big plans here. Oh yeah, big, big plans big that if plan. this had happened just a few years later. That could still be preserved on the internet today somewhere. Saturday the 27th of January, 10.44pm. Cool Sonic and Knuckles day. This morning I collected my final Chaos Emerald as Sonic and Tails, but couldn't turn into Super Sonic, as I had two Super Emeralds already. Well, when, name of friend redacted, came down, and I showed him how to complete it as Sonic and Tails, I was surprised to find the Doomsday Zone. Friend completed it, so I couldn't even, I couldn't beat it, I'm struggling. And then I went to other friend's house, brackets, listen to tape. So this is one, I've divided one Saturday oh my into two friends, morning and afternoon. It's a good job I shifted the first friend in time to get over to the second friend. When I got home, I was so, and then I've crossed out the word desperate and put determined that I collected all the super emeralds. Cool. Well done that, man. There we go. Got them all. Sunday the 28th. Took the sledge up to a hill in the woods. Loads of people were there. One time I fell off, skidded along and rolled back on. And then I was... Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Fell well off, done. skidded along and rolled back on. Get that one on vine. Hell yeah. Collected all the Chaos Emeralds as Knuckles, but lost three to the Emerald Chamber, so I went and got all the supers instead. I'm pro at Emerald Planet levels. What? What? What does that sentence mean? What's wrong with that? Collected all the Chaos Emeralds, lost three to the Emerald Chamber, so went and got all the supers instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must have been in the Emerald Chamber when I had three, and then I've avoided it ever since, and I've just gone in the rings. But you don't... No, but you... The rings take you to the Emerald Chamber. They, oh, they do, don't they? Now, is that once you've been in once or is that once you've got all the chaos emeralds it might just be once you got all the chaos emeralds. i think you that's what i'm saying you have to get all the chaos emeralds before they will then be weaked off you so how did you get all six and then only lose three well can you as knuckles just walk in there the way you can as sonic and tails if you can then that solves the problem because i've gone in there i've had the three chaos emeralds with me when i did i've lost them now i've collected the rest through rings which presumably don't take you to the to the emerald chamber until you've got well, all they them. do well sorry that yes yeah and, and then yes, if you they take you to the they take you to blue sphere yeah but you just said you went and got the super emeralds instead, instead. and i think i'm leaving out important words instead of turning into super knuckles i think is what i'm saying there 
So, like, what I'm the, the subtext here is I want to see Super Knuckles, but instead got I've right, got to get right, all these right, emeralds. Right, right. Okay. I think that's what okay, it is. Okay, all right. Um, Still don't think it makes any sense, though. But no. I feel like that... You, oh, you think that doesn't make any sense, right? Okay. Oh, well, no. So I've, I've already talked about how many times I've completed the game as different people. How do we pass this? Monday the 29th of January, 10.27pm, in Sonic and Knuckles today... I collected all the Chaos Emeralds of Sonic and Tails and right. got past that bit in Carnival Night where you're stuck in a room and you have to press up and down. <laughs> so, I guess not for the first time, right? But why am I treating it as a bit that's hard to get past at all if I've got past it the once, you know? It, that's just in Sonic... No, but that's Carnival Night Carnival, is from Sonic 3. Sonic, Sonic 3, not Sonic and Knuckles. Maybe some of these refer to only playing Sonic and Knuckles and not Sonic Maybe. 3 and Knuckles. Wednesday the 31st. Got Sonic and Knuckles figures. Do you remember these? Mm -hmm. Do you remember these? They came for a brief moment. You could get blind bag badniks down the corner shop. Ooh, no. Oh, you could. And they came and you could get a box of a few of them uh, from the toy shop. Got Sonic and Knuckles figures. Sonic, Tails, Knuckles. I've st this is my Knuckles figure. I keep it with my Sonic Cracker figures. He's, oh, he's right, up there. Right. Have you seen him? I'll get him. Hang on. I don't think hang I have. Hang on, hang on. I'll get him now. Wait a minute. Here he is, nice little knuckles. Oh, that is a nice little knuckles. Isn't it? He's got all the angles. He's, they've done his head right from all angles. His little yeah, middle yeah, spike being top, smaller. Yeah. All of it. Lovely little fella. There he is. Yeah, he's very good. good. He's, it's very it's good. That's the only yeah. only one in the collection that was good. Um, it was. A, I would love it if uh, it's Jack Pacific do the Sonic toys now. I'd love it if they'd make a classic Tails oh, and a classic Knuckles figure thing. to go along with the little classic Sonic thing. they've made. Because then I might buy any mm. of them. But that's the only good figure in the set. There was a, The rest were very dodgily made, as I recall. Except yeah. you could get all these badniks. So I've got a Splats toy yeah, somewhere. Okay, now I remember hearing about a Splats figure, reading mm. about it somewhere. So that's that. That's that. that. Okay. So, got Sonic and Knuckles figures. Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Robbie. I'm trying to save space. Ugh. Jesus. <laughs> Roby, at least. And four badniks. Also, Dad got me... A stereo lead! Yay! I've been wanting one for absolutely ages! Now I can do the vid! I've recorded most of the Sonic 3 and Knuckles music, and yes, Sonic 3 and K. Oh, S3 and K, I've written it for the first You've time. Settled on that it, is no. the day I figure out what that's called, because of course I've seen the end screen, and it says Sonic mm. 3 and Knuckles, bong. We're near the end, Chris, we're not, not too much left. <laughs> Thursday the 1st, 10.48pm, nearly got run over today. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. Too busy thinking about Sonic. Friday, the 2nd of February 1996, 10.52pm. No, I won't. Look at the time. I turn the lights out at quarter two, usually. Good night. And so I, oh. I never, I never told the diary about the time I nearly got run over. But Chris, I can tell you about the time I nearly got run over because I remember it vividly. Me and my friends on our way to school... I would, I would meet up with one friend who lived just near me, and then we'd walk through the village, and we'd get to the second friend who lived just next to the village green. You had to cross a main road to get to the village green, right? And so sometimes you would see the bus go past, just as you were coming out of his house, and you had to peg it. You had to really get on there, and you had to leg it down the road, right? And this happens today. We see the bus go past... I remember looking both ways mm -hmm. before I ran. Not across the main road. That one takes more looking. It's a main road. Yeah. But across the little side road that isn't very big, isn't very important, that my friend lived on, that connected to the main road. And he lived just on the top corner of it. I'm, I remember looking both ways. But as I ran uh, out across this little road to get to the main road I had to run across, 
a car slams on its brakes, does the full dramatic emergency brake screech noise. And my friends report that as that car finally came to a stop, it touched my school bag. And my immediate response, I don't know what it should have been. I don't know what you're supposed to do. But my response was to turn round and run back across the road. I think if cooler heads had been prevailing, I might have continued to sprint across the road because that removes the turning round section of what I of mm-hmm. what I did. So I'm back on the first side of the road with my friends who were all white as sheets. They're cross with me because yeah. they're going, you shouldn't have turned round. They're annoyed at me. The car winds its window down. David Bulmer! Oh, of course. It's one of those villages. It's only... The most horrible teacher I've ever had. Ah. Mrs. A genuine, like... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was her name. <laughs> that was her name. That, was her, that is some... That is some Roald Dahl shit. I know! She hated children. I hated her, and I just thought it, that that was the natural order of things because I was a Roald Dahl reader. And you read comics. And, and, a, and a Beano you reader. read the Bash Street Kids. Exactly. Yeah. Children hate teachers, and teachers hate their pupils. But on reflection, no, she really hated me. And here, uh, th- this was it. This was the last time I ever saw her. But there, yes, here I am being yelled at for nearly being killed by my most hated teacher. And God... The dramatic arc if she'd killed me, you know? I know, right? The sense of satisfaction you would have felt in the great beyond as everyone else finally hated her as much as you had in life. (laughs) But there we go. That was the time that I... That was the time I played a lot of Sonic and Knuckles and nearly got killed by my teacher. Stay tuned for the next episode of SDCDP when, in the very next diary entry, I make... An extremely controversial Sonic statement. Ooh, a Sonic Yes. Sta- you didn't say it was a controversial Sonic a statement Sonic-based controversy is about to erupt. <laughs> I can't imagine what it could be. It'll say that, that Knuckles is red or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was this episode. <laughs> I have a bad case of diarrhea. 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 Speaking of Knuckles... The Graveyard, Part 2 Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell Knuckles fends off some of the reanimated Kohenu skeletons before collapsing due to the dryolid poison Later he awakens to find himself imprisoned by the Kohenu spirit in the very emerald mine he was trying to reach where the vengeful spectre angrily recounts the tale of how the echidnas hunted the Kohenu species to extinction so very quickly it becomes apparent why we just remembered this story as being the story in which <laughs> Knuckles matter-of-factly fights a ghost. Yes. Um, because after us becoming so fascinated yes. with the prospect that this was all a hallucination and imaginary and being played as is it or isn't it, yeah. two pages in, it's like, no, yep. the ghost's real. They acknowledge that. The, the, yep, the ghost says to him, oh, I'll just wait until you're no longer on this dry lid yeah, poison. Oh, it's, uh, Knuckles manages to fight off the effects of the poison and... Turns out the ghost's real, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, that is the single least interesting route that could possibly have gone, isn't it? I suppose it is, yes. Um, never mind, eh? <laughs> Tell you what, though. What? Something about Dobbin's art mm. really singing on this matte paper. Yeah, uh, yep, that, exactly. Suddenly, I'm 
all for it. it mm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what. Nope. There'll be people out there who know exactly what matte paper and glossy paper are for, what art works on what, and they'll be able to explain this, and I want them to. Please tell us. Something about this makes it feel. It's. Here's what I think it is it's that his presentation of the world, his colours, his choices are always kind of subdued anyway. Richards are punchy and explosive and bright and in your face and Nigel Dobbins are gentle and expansive in that direction you know he, he in in 3D cinema terms like his 3D spreads out back into the frame and Richards <laughs> pops out in front comes of comes right at you yeah and that might be what it is that that it settles into this paper so nicely. could be that could be some combination of that and the environments and the creatures on display i mean you know an, a, a sandy desert dusty old dry bone skeletons hard scaled lizards do these things lend themselves well to this texture of after paper? all of the so just a little walkthrough of the art on this First, we have Knuckles ducking and diving around. We still get two pages of the fight with the ske- with the giant mm, skeletons yes. of the big Triceratopses. That's lovely. All the while with this big sort of uh, Wizard of Oz Triceratops head looking on <laughs> against a background of sort of sand. Then mm. we cut on page three. He's been moved to an underground cavern full of raw Master Emerald, whatever the word for emerald ore is. The crystals just poking out of the ground in rods, whatever the word for a rod of crystal is. They're there, and that's gorgeous. And it's it's darker and it's spookier. And again, he's in a uh, he's being kept in a prison of a of big a rib cage. cage. Is there any Absolutely. more? Show me a toy with an opening rib cage oh. that doesn't get used for a prison. Oh, of course. And then the next page, page what four is. It, it opens out onto a full-page picture of with the, Nigel Dobbin getting his Steve White on. Getting his Steve White <laughs> on. That is exactly it. Getting his paleo art Yes, happening. because it is, and it's just a full-page picture of Triceratopses living happily in their natural habitat. And they are p- mottled purple and green. In fact, there's almost the implication that you start off green in, when you're young and get purpler as you get older because yeah, the, yeah. The, the little ones are green. And then on the background of this, yeah. in the sky, is this big round circle as if, you know, almost like a setting sun or something. Yeah. And But it's an inset panel of the side view of this giant kohenyu pictured as the the mystical. It's saying, you can't, your people came, took our land, killed us. And it's this sad side-on view of him telling the story in the sky while we see an image of what it was like before. And it is gorgeous. Oh, it's so good. And it was at this page where I was like, oh, this is really singing with this paper. Yeah. Absolutely lovely. I wonder who's got that page. Oh, they're a lucky person to have it, too. Any page out of this whole issue, it's absolutely brilliant work. Then another great little thing that happens, though. Uh And it's just part of a continuing thing that we've seen so far with Megapolis City. Just uh, in the last serial, we see some ancient echidnas. And they just turn out to be the precise aesthetic (laughs) that Sega is about to make official for the ancient echidnas. Not even about. There's years left. They're all done up in some combination of the aesthetics of the native indigenous ancient peoples of the various Americas. Mesoamerica, North America. And, I mean, wow, really? Like, wow. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's so weird how this all... That's exactly what Sega will decide it is. These have been in films now. (laughs) Yes, I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. 
I mean, they, yes, this is so in keeping with that. It, I, That's because our thing had a better handle on the <laughs> world and characters. Do you notice? Um, yeah. On gloved echidna hands, the <gasps> question is answered. Oh, you're right. God, I just thought they had red gloves on, but you're right. Ancient echidnas really did just have. Big fat mittens. Big they fat don't mitten have individual hands. fingies. Yeah, that's what an echidna hand is. Oh, there you go. Funny thing. Funny thing. Just because we've just been talking about the Sonic and Kintobor origin and the need to explain certain things, uh-huh. and how we felt the need to explain why Sonic was blue, but today we understand that there is no need for that. Yeah. But obviously, echidnas all have knuckles because they're burrowing animals, and that's why echidnas. Knuckles yeah. has knuckles. But of course, Archie was the one who felt the need to explain an origin uh, for Knuckles' spiked knuckles uh, when right. they had his dad microwave his egg oh, with chaos. Oh, is that what gave him his knuckles? I knew that happened. Yes. You know the old uh, had a bad dream better microwave the baby, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does go to in a slightly odd direction here at the end. Because c- there's, there's the obvious um, metaphor here for, you know, for the hunting of the buffalo into extinction, uh-huh. as well as the sort of uh, indigenous peoples who come and are, are forced out of their land and everything that you mentioned there earlier there's there's you know it's not a specific one-to-one analogy for anything but there's definitely a sort of iconography and a general influence of those kinds of ideas and then they have this this thing that they do here uh, where knuckles says no wait i know this story Mm. centuries ago the echidnas hunted you for food but we didn't destroy the whole herd and then the ghost tells him Ah, but you did kill all the males, though. Yeah. The herd was many hundreds, but we had just 20 males, and they were the slowest. I mean, and you know why they were the slowest as well? They were knackered. <laughs> <laughs> and Knuckles is like, and we killed them all. I didn't know. Nobody did. And it's this, but it's a weird move at the end that, to me, unnecessarily uh-huh. tries to pull back from villainizing the echidnas in a way that doesn't feel necessary. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's because years later games, well, not that far in the future, but, you know, from from our point of view, 25 years in the future, games have introduced us to uh, Pachacamac. Pachacamac. Do something with that. I think it's pronounced, you know, knuckle the the head of the knuckles tribe who was just a reet bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I suppose we've already met the evil Doctor Zachary, and mm. we wanted to pre- we wanted to present him as kind of the exception. Uh, you know, what, what was it he said? There was one among their number who was evil. You know, so yeah. Well, it, they, it's content contentious because there was two versions of the line: the print. That's and the, right. Yes, yes. The script version was like he never guessed that one of his race could be considered evil. And, of course, Archie will be full of head echidnas, too, so... um, (laughs) There's plenty of them about. I guess I just don't feel like I I needed the echidnas to be... for them to hold back from villainizing them. No, I I quite like the nuance of it. They hunted them to extinction while thinking what they were doing was fine. Uh, Looked at that way, I find it quite interesting. Where he's like, no, 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 we did a lot of hunting, but, like, you know, we, we left some, and he's saying, so it's fine. And the guy's like, no, that, like... As it happens, you killed the ones that would have allowed us to breed. And uh, no, it wasn't fine. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we'll see. I guess we'll, guess we'll see how it plays out. Because yeah. it, to me, it seems like... Well, I guess I, I don't know. It's just how I'm reading how... how I'm, I guess I'm sort of jumping ahead to how the plot thread will be used in later chapters. Think Presuming that presuming that it's essentially going to be used as a way to uh, let Knuckles off the hook for these crimes. You are not all bad. Yeah, like all echidnas, you know. But he, d- yeah, exactly. But bad. he, d- but at least he does end the comic on a kind of like, no, he, you know, head down, eyes closed. Yes, he kind of accepts. What they did. Oh no, my race actually is responsible for this. We screwed up. Oh no. You know? 
Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair to him, I suppose Knuckles is the kind of guy who, knowing that he is the last representative of his race, probably would feel the weight of their sins upon his shoulders mm. and probably would would accept the nature of whatever punishment they were going to choose mm. to visit upon him. Yeah. It's like, you know, that, that, that that's kind of the kind of noble, noble kind of character Knuckles is, yeah. in STC at least. But I guess we'll find out. But um, this, uh, this is pretty great. I'm, just, I'm a little disappointed that um, that the the air of ambiguity surrounding the whole plot that it seemed like it might cast the whole serial in a different light to what we remembered it is evaporated after two pages. Yeah. But I am looking forward to see what happens next because we've still got fully half of it left to go. There you go. I, I don't want it to ever end. It's gorgeous. Next issue: Revenge of the Kohenu. This didn't used to. The first part of this Batman Forever Q-Zone two-parter wasn't a level-by-level level guide. <laughs> wasn't it? It's turned into one. Well, yeah. it's not level-by-level. Level. Now it's just, you know, we... <sighs> I have nothing, Dave. It's difficult to tell what it is because it's barely legible. This the, Something about the combination of the, the matte paper... The black background onto which is printed some white text, and I don't know if it's the same in your copy, but in mine, there's something slightly misaligned about the printer. It's very tricky to read this. It's like having trying to read it through water. But just the fact that this is a very dark page of dark, blurry screenshots and like thin white text on a black background made this... Mm. That I couldn't read this if I tried, and I didn't. There's nothing interesting in it, anyway. No, I quite like the line about coming face to face to face with Two Face. Yeah, that's pretty. That's quite good. Um, I did. I quite liked Level Eight Claw Island. If you got this far, give yourself a big pat on the back. Only don't get smug, as this is the hardest level in the whole game. Once inside the brain room, you must pass a mental test in order to save Doctor Chase Meridian, which is no easy task. So I'm like, oh, okay. You've played a platform game up till now. Yeah, yeah. Got to move the memory card into the second slot so Psychomantis can't read your... Yeah. No, I'm thinking it's going to be some kind of a puzzle, some kind of a... And then they describe it, and it's just swinging about. That's not a mental test. Swinging yep. about. Swing on the heads that keep moving in and out of the wall. Perfect timing is required, or you'll fall flat on your face. Doesn't say anything about swinging on them in a special order that you have to work out. You just swing no. on them. It sounds more like a timing challenge is the next part then as well, yeah. After that, you must face a giant marshmallow man look-alike Riddler, and if you complete that, you finish the game. Good. You can't do that! <laughs> That's illegal to say that! When you get the final boss and in a walkthrough. And not elaborate. Yeah, fight it. Yeah. So, of course, I went and looked it up on YouTube, and I can't fault him. It's a pretty accurate description of what's going on there. <laughs> it's just a swole version of the Riddler, but uh, doesn't the game look absolute trousers? <laughs> oh, you found exactly the word. Yes. <laughs> Next issue, Beavis and Butthead. Mm. That might be a little bit interesting. If only because I assume it's going to have to walk through and describe all the weird, depraved things that that game involves doing. Sonic's World. Brute Force Part 2. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Don D. Cox, and letters by Steve Potter. Commander Brutus heads for the Misery Zone, where he has secreted away the prisoners captured earlier. Using the knowledge he stole from Grimer using the portable mind scanner, he turns them into his own loyal army of badniks, and unleashes them on the Cotton Factory Zone, intending to capture Johnny Lightfoot and steal the secrets of his mind as well. 
Brutus is the man. <laughs> He's a large man. He's great, though. Why am I struggling to come up with anything to say about it? I guess because it's sort of a lot more of Brutus going around going, ha, 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 I'm doing this instead of Robotnik. Yes, I have plans and such. Yeah. Yes. But it's good. Love going back to the Misery Zone. The that's Misery good. Zone, yeah, that's, that's the one from when Tails went from, to hell. Uh, the unbeatable right? foe when Tails got lost there. Yeah. And then the, uh, yes, because it's the Misery Zone once home to a race of evil monsters now devoid of all life. After the monster unleashed his apocalypse blast in the uh, at the end of the story, there's back in issue number thirty-two, and it, uh, it made me realize it, it's cool that you know Stringer is remembering even the little things that he yes. did back then. But then it also made me realize, of course, that the first Brutus story took us back to the uh, Pleasant Zone from the Frozen Zone oh, storyline yes. as well. So Stringer is now making a habit of even revisit and and you know they mentioned the Grim Zone yeah. where Metamorphia lives again in the in, short, in the last yeah, short few stories. Track. So so Stringer's making this habit of revisiting even the original zones and settings that he's invented for for his stories. It really, really, in a way I didn't uh, remember back then. I suppose, I I guess as a kid, I didn't quite delineate between the two writers' work at this point as much as I would later on. Like, I knew they were, but, but I wasn't, you know keeping a mental spreadsheet of who did what, where, exactly when. So it's interesting to know to go back and look at it as an adult with that kind of Mm. mind and see that his stuff is really playing in his own little pocket of the universe over here with his stuff. Yes, I would have recognised the difference between the writers, but I wouldn't have imagined that they would be playing in two different pools, essentially. Yeah, I would have thought, well, that's STC stuff. Mm. Yeah, because since they've started to expand their individual scopes of it we have had that overlap yeah. remember in mechanic where grimer and robotnik came to the abandoned emerald hill zone after the events of kitching's most recent story you know? yeah i really enjoyed the bit on page three where brutus goes to all of these little animals that he's captured i did not capture you for robotnik i captured you for my own plans wow does that mean we're not going to be turned into badniks? No. Hooray for Commander Brutus! No, it means you're going to be my badniks. Oh, well, it was a nice thought while it lasted. Oh, like, isn't that nice? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the one. quintessential stringer sort of joke. It's that, it's, oh, well, in front of Brutus, you know? It's the fact that everyone is, everyone's British. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Uh, it's like I remember seeing a, a panel from a much later strip being shared around on Twitter recently yeah. where it's uh, from, you know, dozens of issues from now uh-huh. wherever Sonic's telling a bunch of uh, Mobians who have been freed from uh, prison or something. It's like, you're free! And it's and one of them goes, ooh, I'll miss being miserable. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and exactly. it was a load of Americans not getting the joke! <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of everybody being British, we cut to Grimer making a cup of tea. (laughs) That's what he's doing. You know, I don't think I even really realised. I I just saw all the flasks around him and I just assumed my brain filled in the empty Well, that's the thing. What he's doing is he's got a Bunsen burner under a tripod, but what he's taking off it is a kettle and he's got a bag. You can see the bag in his mug. Yeah, yeah. He's using science. He's using mad science to make a cup of tea. Have you seen Commander Brutus Grimer? I can't locate him anywhere. He said he had business to attend to with the portable mind scanners, Doctor. What? Why would Brutus want a portable mind scanner? You mean you didn't know about it? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's fun. Good stuff. And the, I'm of two minds about the badniks uh-huh. that roll out. Uh, yeah. On the one hand, it's fun that... 
but so Brutus is being shown by a trooper his secret army of badniks that have been made, and they're all there. But they are drawn more like what you might call monsters than badniks. Some are, some are, and then some do like that that mm. one guy who's just an orb with two giant floating spiked knuckle gloves. Yes. That's I could really see that in a Sonic game. Yeah, an Orbanaut, but with fists. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then a lot of them are just sort of... This artist isn't really looking at badniks and going, oh, okay. It's, you know, well, I'll tell you what, it's like that opening scene... Well, I don't know the opening scene. That early scene in the first episode of Adventures of Sonic where Robotnik's on stage in front of a load of badniks, but they're just guys or monsters or... Well, yeah, but they're not really badniks, are they? No. I, mean, I think he does you know I mean? call them badniks, but I think he might use that word... To mean baddies. You know, in the in the... In the euphemistic sense, yeah. to mean battles. Yeah, and, and that and that's what these look like. These are just sort of different bad guys. There's one that's just a big mouth with three eyes on stalks. Um, yeah, big square with yeah, mouth. big just a bit. He's nothing but a big square mouth with little legs poking. Yeah, out the with bottom. sharp teeth in it. There's one that's an octopus. It's just an octopus. Yeah, not a robot octopus. An octopus. You even see the underside of him in the next page, and he's just an octopus. Yep. Yeah. So that's weird. Not quite sure about them. Even more not sure. I We wouldn't do this page today because there are lots of jokes on it, but the subject of the jokes, not the butt of the jokes, but the subject of the jokes, is cotton slavery. Right, yeah. I got the same vibe. Like look, The name Cotton Factory Zone yeah. is a great name. You could easily <laughs> yeah. imagine a zone being named that in a Sonic game yeah. because it's this it's the same sort of slightly weird combination of two words yeah. like Mirage Saloon yeah. or Press Garden. Mm. Cotton factory zone. And yeah. But it I think I understand yes, I had the same yeah, you know? exact reluctance when I heard that he was attacking cotton farmers. But looking in the background, I get more of a vibe. It's a sort of North Yorkshire mining town sort of thing. These are just good rural workers who are working down cotton mines that Robotnik is coming and stealing their uh, hard-worked-for product. Yes, I guess so. It's The trouble is that the first... The, the, the caption says, The cotton factory zone where Johnny Lightfoot is investigating reports of slave labour. Yes, and you're like, yes, yeah. that's happening all yeah. right, yes, mm-hmm. But then the people are sheep. And the sheep says, It's true, Johnny. Robotnik uses our wool to make himself egg cozies and socks and pays us nothing. So what it is, <laughs> the joke there is yeah. it's deflecting or deflating the concern about it being a slavery joke. But So it's trying to be that the punchline is, don't worry, it wasn't that. But it's still a bit, you know? Yeah, there, there's a... There's something there. And then Johnny goes, what, you mean Robotnik actually has more than one pair of socks? You'd never guess when you were upwind of him. Ah, smelly man. He's a smelly man. they got smelly feet. Then the sheep says, can you get Sonic to help us? And Johnny says, maybe I can sort this out. After mm. all, Sonic, Amy and Tails all go off on their own adventures, but I never get a chance to stand alone. And he looks up and sees Brutus's army descending upon the zone. And then he drops the neat little, again, quintessentially British comic little remark. Because we're all British here. <laughs> Which, for any artists listening, is a very useful uh, British word. We don't use it. It's our grandparent. My, my, my nana used to say it quite a lot. And it's an, it, it, you can deploy it to mean, oh, that's weird, or I'm literally about to be completely physically eviscerated by something. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Are you sure you don't use it? Because I can definitely imagine you using it. I would, I aspire to use it. <laughs> I'll certainly use it in my comics. Surrender, Lightfoot. You are outnumbered. Mm. 
So I see. <laughs> the next issue. Run, rabbit, run. So now's the bit where it becomes a bit of a Johnny story that I was remembering. Yeah, there you are. That's what we've been looking for, isn't it? Yeah. Let's see if they manage to make him interesting. Oh! Oh, jeez, I just totally missed this bit. I've just glanced back across the page, and I can't believe I didn't spot this properly. What? Whenever one of the troopers pops his head out of the thing, they say, Commander, spies have informed us that one of Sonic's allies is in the cotton factory zone. And Brutus, just standing there, arms tucked in behind the back, goes, Oh! Excellent! Oh, he's robotic! And I'm like, yeah! He's yes! got robotic Brutus does do the egg puns! Yes! Yeah! In fact, he's annoyed at Robotnik, so he's trying to go back to his, like, this is what I'm truly about. He's going back to his roots and he's doing head puns again, because our Robotnik hasn't done it for a while. Yeah, he's going right back to the start. going to call Sonic Spikeball Spike and make yeah. egg puns and just go and stick little animals in robots personally, you know. Give that nice intimate touch. It makes me wonder, hey, do you know... Head cannon. It makes me wonder if this is quite an old backup of Robotnik's brain from you know maybe around 1993 yeah. sometime. We saw him put the hat on and do the transfer oh, live, oh, okay. so it's not. But <laughs> <laughs> just like the idea that Robotnik would have you know maybe put his brain on file before he turned himself into mm. an egg and regenerated into his new form. Just in case. In case. Went wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Speed lines. Friend or foe, dear Megadroid, I have a book called Sonic the Hedgehog, which says that Dr. Robotnik was a scientist who helped Sonic until an explosion turned him evil. It even says that Robotnik provided him with his red trainers. Can this be true? Says John Foley of Wicklow Town, Republic of Ireland, Mega Drive owner. And there you go, you see. Exactly what you were saying. This is it, this is it. Robotnik, uh, sorry, Mega Drive, sorry. Megadroid says... Start again. You're getting too worked up, Dave. You need to calm down. Take a breath a second. I'm so excited by this. And Megadroid says, The full facts of Robotnik's origin, in bold, are revealed in this very issue. Hmm. Sort of. Not really. No. In Return of Chaotix. How's that for service? No, I think they're going to be it's more revealed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's um, what the caption box said. Next issue. The truth can finally be told. So what book has John Foley here got? Stay Sonic. He's just got the name wrong. Well, it's just that around this time they also released one called Sonic the Story, which he could have had, which was a Ladybird book with. Oh uh, yeah. It was pitched younger and it had it was mostly illustrations. And I remember, I seem to remember that they tackled Kinterball by only showing you the back of his legs. You you oh. you're only ever looking at Sonic. You never see Kinterball's face. And um, yeah, that's a. Could be that, but that's not called Sonic the Hedgehog either. So, whatever knows? it is, he's just got the name wrong. Yes, it well, or has he? It's just that I've this feeling that there was one in America, so he might have gone on holiday and well, got it. Would be news to me because you know how they had a book that was just called Sonic and Knuckles, and it's got a picture of Knuckles looking at an incorrect Master Emerald on the cover. No, but well, there is <laughs> so one. Was, if I don't know that, there's a big chance I don't know what I'm talking about, isn't there? <laughs> that's that's the thing, though. These are really rare. Uh, even I'm Googling them now and I'm not finding it, but I swear to you I've seen this book called Sonic and Knuckles and I've I've wanted to get it. Ah, here we go. Right. I've now Googled Sonic the Hedgehog, brackets, well, Troll Associates, and sure enough, is this it? Oh, it's written by Michael Teitelbaum and illustrated by Glenn Hansen. In, it is the first book in a series of chapter books by Teitelbaum, which includes Sonic the Hedgehog, Fortress of Fear, and Sonic the Hedgehog, Robotnik's Revenge. The continuity, I the, name. the continuity is similar to the earliest issues of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic series, and it's been oh published by Archie Comics. So no, Archie, then. Yeah, well. So that's a that's an that's an ABC book. 
So no, this boy is simply wrong. How robot? Well, the first chapter is how Robotnik came to rule the planet, how Sonic met Sally, and how Sonic got those super red sneakers. Oh my god! Hold on. Well, hold on. Let's let's is have a synopsis? little read here because hang on. All this says is that Doctor Robotnik was a yep. friend to help Sonic. Doesn't mention Kinderboy, does it? So let's see. No, it doesn't. The book starts off in the past of Mobius when Sonic was seven years old and Doctor Robotnik was fifteen. Nope. Nope, 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 Don't nope. like that already. Nope, nope, nope. In this past... Sorry, no. Is ABC Robotnik meant to be slightly older than Sonic the Hedgehog? That would put him at uh, 22. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you know what? I don't actually have to read any more of okay. this. This is just a chapter adaptation of a very early issue of Archie, which in and of itself is basically a comedic what if uh, that asks the question, what if they had known each other when they were kids? God. Wow, they did not. They were flying off the handle in America when they tried to do Sonic. They didn't know what they were about. Not a f- notion. So it isn't that anyway. Knuckle under. This one's from Thomas Bullen of Letchworth, who says, "I've had an argument with some pals at school. The reason is that they say Knuckles is a girl, but I know he's a boy. Could you please prove this?" And Megadroid, that wry, <laughs> rascally old so and so, replies. I thought Knuckles was an echidna. Oh, thanks. You've, you've worked hard not to help. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, they thought he was a girl because he because was pink. He was pink. That, but then they, they thought Tails was a girl as well. They People thought everything was a girl that wasn't Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic was the ethos of masculinity. Exactly, so yeah. everything else was resigned to femininity. <laughs> Clean soul, dear Megadroid, you may think this is a silly question, but why are Sonic's sneakers always so clean? From David Sigley, Crew, Cheshire, Megadrive and Game Gear owner. And Megadroid simply replies, good breeding. Because he, he cleans his shoes? Neat and tidy, I suppose. Yeah. Because he's been brought he, up to clean and keep He knows about clean. presentation and etiquette and stuff, I guess. Hilarious. Very good. Hmm. <laughs> right, we've got a couple of bits of fan art. Pictures. Pictures. Um, <laughs> first one from Graham Stoddard of Alton Hans uh, is... Pretty good. It's I, yeah. I, I feel as if I ought to know exactly what it is he's referencing here, but it's Megadroid, the current Megadroid, the new Megadroid. One of our first, maybe mm. the first drawing of the new Megadroid in the fan art section. I think so. And yes. uh, and he's recreated him very well. Except, oh, he's decided that instead of the the one, because because Megadroid doesn't have a lower half, he just has this disc that he's attached to with a stick. And um, yes, a little hover pit yeah. and. Uh, uh, Graham has drawn it as a tripod he's attached to it by three sticks but below that he's given him legs and uh, he's put what has he put he's got a ring in one in his left hand he's got a sword strapped to his back and uh, he's got a triple mohawk big purple yeah, triple mohawk because one wouldn't have been cool enough you know he, no exactly and I don't know he's got a point it looks really cool but this is where I go okay What's he drawing here? Who's got a purple triple mohawk that this is a copy of? I don't know. But this isn't Mega Droid, you see. This is Super Droid. Oh, it's Super Droid. You're right there, yes. Yeah, this is how he has he has labeled it. Of course, in Little Dave's world, Mega is He's above, above super, super. So this is a, yeah, this is a step that's down from Mega Droid. And that's that's why he has to <laughs> If you don't get that, you need to go and listen to our Patreon episodes, folks. <laughs> this is why he has to, you know, he has to carry a sword and have all these mohawks is to make himself cooler because he's not as cool as Megadroid. Yeah. But he's shouting eat my dust Sonic and he's standing in front of what? A game of breakout or Tetris or something. What he's yeah, standing in front a, of is a, a wall that's divided into blocks. It's probably just meant to be a tile wall, but the lower four le- uh, layer the, the lower four what word do I mean for sideways columns? 
rows. The, rows. The lower four rows of are... It's cops. <laughs> the lower four rows are green, and the next one is blue, and the next one is red. And then there's a bit where he's accidentally dribbled on the pen, and so it's made a little yep. circle, and it looks like a ball going towards this to, to play a game of breakout on it. <laughs> like to see a picture of Megadroid, but it is one of the older ones, I think. Oh, oh, I've just noticed something. Look at his boots. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing lace-up boots. Yeah, they're mostly off screen and you can't see them, but you can see that they're lace-up boots. And coming off the sides of them, the tops of the laces are really curly and springy. And I think I know why that is, because I had curly springy laces at that time. They were a thing that came in. They, they came and went with Yikes pencils. <laughs> and what they were was they were so you didn't have to tie your shoelaces. You didn't have to know how to tie your shoelaces very well. You just... They you, they just kind of locked together because they were curly and springy. So you just kind of mashed them together. Oh, and, uh, well, no, I think it was that because they were curly and springy, they didn't get sucked back through the holes. So they stayed as tight as you pulled them for quite a long time. Oh, so curly okay. spring, I think he's got those. Then the second one here is one that feels like it would have been better placed in the uh, graphic zone from last issue. Yes. The yes. Batman graphic zone, because this is Tails as Robin. But he's got a T instead of an R, because he's he has. Tails, not Robin. Yeah, of course he has. And otherwise, it's, I mean, he's just Robin. He's wearing Robin's leotard and Robin's green cape, and he's got Tails' shoes on. And there is what is obviously the hand of a Bat-Sonic. Yeah, exactly. The Show us Bat-Sonic. The they've chosen to crop it well, out. Exactly. Yeah. Why didn't we get this picture in the... Oh, well. But the mystery of whatever that Bat-Sonic may look like is one... That will never be solved <laughs> as we close out the book on another issue with so many mysteries left floating in the air. Yes. Next issue is the free Valentine's card. And there's a very nice picture yes. here on the next issue page of Amy having thrashed some badniks. Uh, though they, again, are rather odd looking robot creatures yeah. that are not really badniks. But... If that's the Valentine's card of Amy standing in the wreckage of giant robots she's destroyed with arrows. Give me that Valentine's card. I love I'm it. I'm willing to bet it's not. I'm but too, yeah. It, it, but it's not a reused piece of art or anything. No. I think it's, maybe it's a... Well, hang on. Uh, no, 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 no. There's no mention of a pinup. So maybe it's the pinup. Oh, and it says aiming, aiming your way. Your way. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I always thought... Just this was just something I saw someone say on online recently. They didn't, you know, they weren't making a big point out of it or anything. But it's just, I always sort of thought that they were working. But you know, Amy has a crossbow, so they were like, oh, we could make a pun. Aim, Amy, aim, aiming, aim. But what if they gave her a crossbow to make the pun? Oh, what if? What if? Because she's all Amy. She became the character we know. Uh because her name was Amy, yeah. and they, they actually like zeroed in on that Maybe. and did that. Oh, Maybe. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do too. Also, she's got a longbow. Probably probably needs to be pointed out oh, here. Oh, yes. Not a mini right. crossbow. Mm. Plus, Sonic. The Origin. Yeah. Knuckles, ghostly revenge. Decap, monster marriage. Sonic's world outnumbered. Your sweetheart art. Oh no. Oh, it's going to be everybody. <laughs> yes, there's going to be a lot of symptoms of womanhood in that graphic zone. It's, there's going to be a lot of that and there's going to be a lot of kissing and canoodling. And a Beavis and Butthead Q-Zone in STC number 71, pound twenty on sale Saturday the 3rd of February 1996. Good stuff going on in the minute, isn't there? Mm, yeah. Between Brutus and Knuckles and Sonic and Chaotix and Metallics and they get a bit of Decap Attack in the middle. It's really good. Will it stay really good? 
We shall find out. Well, we'll find out next issue. And if you want to find out with us, you'll be able to find uh, that episode wherever good podcasts are available, as well as directly on our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast, or you can find us there separately. I am at Demon Tomato Dave, and this one... I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well. Yes. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount will get you access to to the bonus videos because we don't just do podcasts over there we do little videos you can look at our stupid faces too that's right as we look at the martin adams novels we're on uh, sonic and the silicon warriors now and then there's this other thing we do yes where we read the comparably brilliant novel uh the end of mobius by a young <laughs> by a young dave bulmer um, I've dug out the files that I used to post on the internet and I am reading them to Chris mm. and it's just you know how the last few episodes we've been telling you that it's gone off the rails oh my god we're just on the long plunge down the ravine after it goes off the rails <laughs> I don't know how every month I think I've hit bottom and the next day it throws me a shovel and tells me to keep digging <laughs> it is oh god yeah. so... oh there's no enjoyment to be had from it whatsoever so please tune in <laughs> <laughs> so pay us for it, yeah. <laughs> now, if you want to see Chris tormented in that way, it'll only cost you a couple of pound coins that you can drop in the bucket at patreon.com forward slash stctp. Those pound coins go to paying our editor, Sam Gabriel, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. Stop! Hi, I'm Sam Gabriel. You may know me from my regular appearances on Sonic the Comic the Podcast, I'm not a Sonic fan. When I saw the first episode of this show go up on Chris's Twitter, it immediately became my favorite podcast. It didn't change my mind about Sonic, I still don't particularly care about Sonic, but I do care about this show. When I contacted Dave about becoming the editor for SGCTP, one of the first things I said to him was that I didn't want to interfere with the spirit of it. The sense of finely crafted chaos and the sheer joy that these two idiots exude from every pore of their stupid bodies about these comics and their childhoods and what was important to them then and still is now. I've often said that my subtitle for this show is Old Men Are Enthusiastic About Cloud. It's infectious. And you don't need to care about Sonic at all to get that bug. All of this is to say, as you might have guessed from how maudlin this is, that number 70 will be the last episode of SGCTP that I edit. I am first and foremost a voice actor, and as dumb as it sounds, and it is dumb, I make audiobooks out of fanfiction for a living. My work there has jumped massively over the last year, and STCTP has become too much for me to keep up with. As happy as I am that my career is going well, I'm going to miss working on this show. I'd say that I'll miss all of you boomers as well, but I'm not actually going anywhere, because I'll always be a massive fan of STCTP. And you'll still hear my voice from time to time, because Dave will never run out of interesting stories. And if you like interesting stories, and the sound of my voice, and you also like Star Wars, My Hero Academia, and especially Harry Potter, in spite of itself, you can find hundreds of hours of stories available for free on Spotify, Apple, etc. through my website, samgabrielvo.com. I do live recordings on my Discord server every weekday. Oh, and check out Ogilvy by Ewan O'Leary. I narrated that. And Dave and Chris make appearances in it as well. Take care, everybody. I don't think I'll ever care about Sonic, but I know I'll never stop listening to this show. 
Oh, right, okay. Well, okay, well, we still need an editor. Otherwise, there's no show. Talks have already started with other people, but anyway, they need paying. So we do need you to do it, because if you, you know, if, if the numbers drop mm. off at any point, then we just can't make this podcast anymore. So you got to support us, and we will give you those videos as an extra thing. There was an opening theme tune right at the start. Do you remember? That is called Synchronize, <laughs> and that is by a band called Sonic the Comic the Band, and you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you next next time. time.